At 724, joining us now at our studios is uh, Northfield's uh, City Administrator, Ben Martig. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Jeff. Happy uh, happy summer. we got the summer solstice coming up in about two hours. Nice, definitely. Uh, it feels like we're in the thick of things. <laughs> yeah. uh, the mayor can't be with us today. She's on uh, going out to the uh, mayor's meeting. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> League of Minnesota City's annual conference up in Duluth. So All right. Nice place to be this time. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. Uh, let's talk about last night's uh, city council meeting. You had, uh, uh, you know, going through the... Uh, agenda a couple of uh, public hearings you gave out a couple of liquor license uh, the only store i guess has uh, new owners now that has been uh, changed owners a number of times through the years but uh, one thing in common is uh, still a great place to go to absolutely uh, really fortunate to have such a unique uh, restaurant here in mm-hmm. northfield and um, we know that uh, the that uh, it's certainly welcome to have them uh, there and th- this is just a small piece of what they have obviously they have non-alcoholic beverages but they also have alcoholic beverages in the city approved that license and uh, wish them the best in the new ownership let's move on to the uh, uh, regular agenda last night quite a bit of talk about wall street road doing some improvements for that this is going on uh, the 2024 uh, calendar schedule uh, and it's a mill and overlay project uh, but it's a little more involved than that. Uh, why don't we start uh, start off by kind of summarizing what the project is? Yeah, so it's uh, Wall Street Road, kind of from Prairie Street, um, kind of bends around the corner and then goes down to Spring Creek Road and then heading out to the edge of city. And it's, of course, got the, through that corridor, it's very narrow. Um, there's no curbs or sh- much of a shoulder. Uh, there's also the the Arb and Carlton to the north and then our golf course to the south and it's kind of wooded in there and it's definitely a pleasant area where a lot of pedestrians spend time walking and uh, going into the Arb. Um, but we also know that that's an important segment that connects in Spring Creek Road. People walk on that on Wall Street. People walk on it both for casually along the side of the road but also to get into town and Mayflower neighborhood in many ways is kind of disconnected from kind of that safe pedestrian and biking connection. So Really, um, one of the, besides just surface improvements, looking to improve that ability to have separated facilities for our bikes and walkers to be able to safely get in. And I think overall, there's a lot of support for that. I think the big concern is in the in the public right-of-way, in the public realm, that the really is the city's ownership. There is a lot of trees um, within that area, um, some smaller than others, but trying to balance adding in those separated and safe facilities, upgrading the surface while also um, trying to do as much preservation as we can. There's also a lot of things going on in that area. We have probably the biggest one that we're really excited about is Milltown's Trail. Is gonna We got funded for that project. It'll be going through that corridor, going up uh, north uh, along the Arb, uh, along the roadway there, uh, going under uh, Highway 19 and then up to the Waterford Bridge. And Waterford's continuing to try and get their historic bridge rehabilitated and then eventually it'll connect to Billsby to the north and we'll connect to Faribault to the south and so we think there's going to be a lot of people using that route so we did have an identified section there where we kind of draw people into the city so a spot where um, there's basically a temporary kind of waiting area there was some feedback to see if we could maybe make that area a little bit smaller recognizing there's a need for that kind of key marking to bring people in or maybe have a bench or two but maybe trying to minimize some of the surfacing impacts there. Um, also, I think with uh, with the impacts we're really looking at uh, from a design standpoint, it's about a 32-foot width and of uh, roadway section that's similar to the roads around City Hall. People are familiar, so it's a fairly 
residential type of design. Got a little bit wider with the county standards to have a little bit of a shoulder that if there's a vehicle breakdown. So we yeah, talk, are we still are we talking Wall Street Road or Spring Creek Road? Yeah, on Wall Street Road. Okay. So it got a little bit wider. So it's uh, 32 feet there uh, with the road, and then um, we have uh, basically a, a bikeway and then a separated. Uh, sidewalk in the section of Spring Creek Road to basically Prairie Street on the north side only. But then as you go from Spring Creek going east uh, out of town, uh, we do have on the south side uh, the shared path facilities on the south, but on the north side, we due to the location of the cemetery along there, the recommendation is to add a shared bike path rather than having a separated sidewalk due to the location of the graves and the, and the cemetery on there. So that was another piece. Another one with the intersection, although we don't have a lot of traffic now, um, recognizing that there could be, there is some ag traffic and could be some changes along there. What was recommended to add a uh, mini roundabout uh, at that location as an alternate. And so um, that was also discussed a little bit in that area. It doesn't have a major impact to the width. They're fairly small. Um, I just drove through the first one that I've gone through myself this last weekend. I went through New Prague, and they added two in, right in their downtown. Somebody told me there's one in Oatana now as well, but seemed to be functioning. I pulled over to the side of the road, watched traffic for a while, did some recording <laughs> of that, and it seemed to be working well. In what, that downtown area. For, so. for our listeners out there, uh, a, mini bo- a mini roundabout, how, just try, help us envision that. Is it, um, well, what, what is it? Help us with that. I have no idea what a mini roundabout is. And, and Rich was telling me it'll help with uh, the large vehicle traffic. It's like, how is a roundabout going to help with vehicle traffic? But uh, evidently there's a way. So help us understand that. It's just a lot smaller footprint. So there's still a circle in the middle. It's got a, a mountable curb, just like a typical roundabout is. But imagine that instead of the middle, it's really like a large area that's raised with maybe landscaping. In this case, it's probably more likely to be like, concrete uh raised uh, raised concrete and curb that technically a larger truck could drive straight over you typically Mm -hmm. would move a little bit to the right but for smaller vehicles they basically kind of naturally follow that um flow um also there isn't usually as much of a dedicated uh separate turn lane uh that integrates with it so it's just a much smaller footprint for it it's better for smaller traffic flows where you know instead of a four-way stop or something like that this is a way for traffic to be able to flow through there and larger pieces of equipment to still be able to get through as well, but a little bit more efficient flow of things. So we'll get some more information out there, I guess, on uh, mini roundabouts as well, because Jefferson Parkway, as you know, we're also looking at adding one next year for that project as well. So another piece to letting the public know kind of what these are and what the value and how they function. Uh, once again, Ben Martin is with us. We're talking about street improvements on Wall Street Road. There's a couple of uh, some questions I have. I'm looking at uh, the, the, from the packet last night. They have uh, some visuals of those road improvements. And it, do am I reading this right? Once you go east of town, you're heading out towards the country. There's going to be a two-way bike lane on each side of the street. Is that correct? Yeah, on the south side, it's connecting into the residential areas. The reason mm-hmm. that they're looking on the north side uh, to have a, a bike trail on there is, is well, one, for maybe people going to visiting people at the cemetery. If you're not driving in, there isn't any path at all right now. So it could also serve as, since it's a shared-use path, people could walk out to that, go visit people at the grave sites would be one benefit. A couple other reasonings for that. Um, while we're doing the project, 
at a minimum we talked about grading it to add in the future because there is a there is a growth area in the city planned out east in that area on the north side that we could have residential development in the future we have had some in the last five years some interest from the um, property owner on some development there it might or might not happen but while you're doing the road it makes sense to at least grade it out i think the other thing is we do have a lot of cyclists um, in and around our community that ride roads and so through that corridor that that road width in that section isn't wide enough really for a bike bike lane you could ride in the lane of traffic but it would be a way too for those cyclists to hop off as they get into town and jump onto that path it's a fairly small section but that was one that could end up getting removed in the project uh, down the road um, it was still discussed but i think everybody agrees to at least grade the the, the level it mm. out in a way where it could be added in the future and whether or not that segment stays in or not is yet to yet to be okay. seen so yeah it's, i mean that would be like 75 feet across of pavement if that is paved uh which seems obsessive uh the um uh yeah, and having a, a two-lane, uh, two two-lane, uh, four-lane divided interstate for bicycles going out on <laughs> Wall Street Road seems uh, somewhat unnecessary, but uh, I guess uh, that will be supported by what, uh, you know, the traffic findings uh, say. So uh, there we have it. Uh, what else? Anything else about that uh, particular? You know, I understand that the, uh, the county and the cities... Um, have different ideas or i guess different standards for that type of thing and the cities go a little bit further than the the, the counties do and there was some discussion about that last night yeah it's really that road width is i think the biggest issue on the last design that we had we had 26 foot uh, wide roadway from road to road so we had um, 11 foot drive lanes um, that the city was proposing and it's got curbs so it's going to be it would have been a little narrower the county doesn't have too many urban roadways, so their standard design is 12-foot uh, drive lanes and then to have a, a side um, shoulder to, for, again, if you have a car breakdown or something. Mm -hmm. It's not a parking lane level. But we went from the uh, 26 feet to 32 feet based on the county's request to go wider on that. It is a, There is a cost share on this, on uh, the um, project. So if you're looking at about an $8 million project, City of Northfield, including all of our funds, so this includes utility funds. It's about four point eight million, and Rice County is three point two million. And there's really um, is primarily related to the streets, the storm sewer, um, partnering with us on the trail. Um, so they're they're a partner with that because it is a um, really a county roadway section in the city that we share with them. There was some talk uh, at last night with the council. It didn't get uh, in real detail, but we have had conversations with the county that this might be a road to do what they call a turn back to the city, where instead of it remaining a county roadway, it would become a city uh, roadway, which might give the city council more flexibility on design. Um, but there's a lot of details to work out with that. Um, usually we might be looking at if we take on this roadway, what might the county be doing on some other roadways that we have some needs on? So we might be also taking a look at that, but uh, ultimately we'll be moving into more detailed plans and specifications to come back uh, in the fall here um, for ultimately getting it uh, hopefully wrapped up so that we can have a project bid out in construction starting next year. I think everybody agrees it certainly needs some improvements, but we want to do it right because you get one chance and it's a pretty major change on our design down in that corridor. Uh, ben Martin, City Administrator, once again with us. Uh, let's move on. You also talked about... Uh, uh, a solar garden. There's going to be a new solar garden in Northfield. Uh, tell us the details on that. 
Yeah, so we have a new uh, uh, solar array uh, out on the northwest part of town, kind of right before you get into Decker, um, kind of before you head on the curve, heading into town on 19, just on the north side of the roadway there. Um, there's going to be some new uh, new solar farm, and we had a couple of the related approvals of that solar farm because it's multiple parcels um, within the consent agenda. We had one that was actually talked about at the at the council level for one megawatt portion of the solar uh, garden. The reason it was on the regular agenda was there was a very slight variation from the planning commission's recommendation of the council from a staff recommendation, which basically is on the east side of that property in the comprehensive plan there's identified a collector roadway going north and south so from where the current gravel road of decker is um west of that a little ways down you know in the in the long-term plan of the city um there's a roadway uh staff was recommending that after the 25-year period of the solar array staying there some of that would be in that actual roadway and they're saying that if there is a roadway planned or coming in that area or there, they need to remove them from that at that point in time or request an extension if there isn't anything going on out there. Um, the, the Planning Commission didn't have that provision in there. Cults ultimately approved the staff version, but again, it was a fairly minor nuanced component of a very large package approval that you know was supported by staff and the planning commission ultimately but that's the reason that one was on the regular agenda all right back on the regular agenda as well edible cannabino- uh, cannabinoids i always have problems with that's a funny word <laughs> yeah. cannabinoid uh let's talk about edible cannabinoids and uh uh this uh, involve you, you had a conversation <clears throat> previously last week uh, about uh, perhaps uh, selling that to the liquor store if it's a good idea or not change the uh, the ordinances around a little bit what did you come up with yeah so the council uh, did last night approve unanimously the first reading of the um, amended ordinance of the cannabinoid uh, product sales again we're only talking about the products that are out there and getting sold right now the state law did make some changes to that the city last year after it be, uh, became legal um, and there really wasn't much any state level really regulation on it uh, we passed an ordinance to allow them um, through a licensing program to be uh, approved by the council so that was up and going but with the state law changes they did make some clarifications in the law from the state level and then in 2025 or sooner it will be transferring really to a licensing of the state. So we'll have to amend the code again at that time, but we're in this kind of interim period. So our attorneys were recommending to change our provisions of ordinance, even though it's a temporary period that will be responsible for this licensing to match state law requirements. So some of the things that changed is the state clarified the beverage form um, of the uh, edible cannabinoids, um, basically to reduce the THC levels in it, which is the intoxicating kind of components of them that impact your nervous system, um, kind of cause that high that that people talk about or relaxation that's a part of that. So they reduced that. They also limited the amount in a package that could be sold, so we matched that. They also, um, we had a requirement that those, in addition to the the gummies or the other edibles, have to be behind the counter um, and sold in a restricted area. State law removed that, so the beverages don't have to be sold uh, behind the counter, so we matched that. We prohibited in our prior ordinance the ability to have on-sale use uh, and licensing for these products where you could drink these on-site at a licensed facility. The state law did add the ability of that to happen. The state law prohibits um, alcohol to be mixed with it, though, so it does cause some questions about where these will be allowed. 
as far as where alcohol is sold and sold and how will businesses manage the restriction of mixing those two but you wouldn't be able to have a drink say like a you know like you couldn't have like an alcoholic beverage like a vodka with the stuff added at a at a bar that would be illegal under the state law but we did match the language that the state allowed with it kind of to your point too Jeff on the liquor store there was one policy question additionally that was state law allows now in liquor stores these to be these products to be sold um, so we did have it explicitly noted in our alcohol ordinance because there's very few, it's very explicit what can and can't be sold in these liquor stores. That's why people, you don't see chips and food, candy bars and stuff. We don't sell them in our store, partly because they're not legally able to be sold there. It's pretty limited. It's mainly alcoholic beverage and then ancillary products like glasses or, you know, for, for drinking um, the beverage or like additives like soda pop that we can add in with it. That That would be typical. But we do also have restricted um, products like tobacco that we have limited sales of tobacco. It's more of a convenience factor for people to try and use our municipal liquor store to have it available. So we had an option with the ordinance to follow state law and just allow it, which our liquor store would probably be implementing that just as, again, a convenience sale. Or secondarily, do they not want to allow it at the store? And I think to remain competitive and similar to other substance control like tobacco, the council ended up approving to allow that to be done within our liquor store. We will have to get licensed just like the other businesses though. So similar to our tobacco, the city would have staff would have to submit an application and it would go through the city council for approval. But the council did approve that to be included with it for now. But again, we will be changing this in the future. So who knows down the road, it might, it might change again. City administrator, Ben Marting is who we're talking to. Let's move on to the ice arena. Um, <laughs> seems like I've been having this conversation with someone for uh, decades now. But uh, what is the latest? Uh, there have been some new proposals to uh, to build an ice arena, trying to build some momentum for that because, well, our, our arena certainly is uh, limited, to say the least. Uh, what was the discussion last night? Continuing to try and see if there's any solutions on a, on a new ice arena alternative. And so we had some uh, cost-sharing estimates that we provided to the city council and then gave them an update on some of our additional due diligence that would be coming back in July with that. So right now we're looking at a partnership with the school district, the city, and then private uh, entities to try and see if we can get a solution. Again, these, this isn't easy. Part of it is these these are expensive buildings and then ice systems they have to maintain we also know like you said jeff is that the existing buildings really at the end of its useful life it's in really poor condition so there really isn't a do nothing option that's why we continue to look at what to do because the alternative is if we can't ultimately fix something that means we don't have ice anymore in town and um you know we do have a strong local interest and strong ice program that we have hockey programs so we're trying to figure out and, and do solutions i know it's not easy but we're continuing to chip away Right now, one of the options would be to um, that we're looking at is the, the school would be in for a lease levy. Um, it's a restricted levy that they can't use for their normal operating, and that would be about somewhere between about 250000 a year that they'd be contributing to that, plus some ice time on top of that. Uh, the city council, um, the city would be in for a portion of that, and then the private sector would be putting a couple million in in fundraising and then also donating land. They own some land on the south end of town and potentially trying to piece some of those things together. Um, and uh, it could still be on the school property. There was some interest of the council to still explore that option. They think it's more accessible for some students, potentially could be used during the school school day. 
uh, for, for more students and maybe could also be a cost savings for future parking use where they might not need it all the time. So that's still, I guess, being explored. We also talked about um, maybe approaching Dundas for some discussion to see if they are interested in partnering. On the last time we took a shot at this, they also participated. So there might be some opportunity uh, to work with, with them as well. But we're continuing to chip away at it. The current, we did show a tax impact analysis, though, just on the city's portion of it. And if it stood alone from everything else, the increase in the tax levy just driven by the arena would be about a 7% increase that we'd have. So... You know, it's a, these are, even with these new pieces of private dollars increasing, the school increasing their contribution, it's still a big number. I mean, it's a, it's an $18 million project for a single sheet ice arena. There is, um, it's a little bit bigger footprint. There's a little bit more parking. Our actual current arena doesn't technically meet the standards for a, a standard ice rink size, which I didn't know until recently. <laughs> it doesn't meet the standard for anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, like you said, Jeff, the, the city had looked at this a number of years ago. They probably could have got it for, you know, 30% of the cost way back when, when they, you know, some of the earlier phases when they looked at mm-hmm. doing this. And unfortunately, time costs increase more over time. Um, but again, uh, we'll, we'll keep looking at this option or seeing if there are other options, but we've got a lot more work to do. And I think there was a lot of, you know, concern of that cost, uh, impact that the council saw and, uh, related to that. So, um, but again, no easy answers, but we're continuing to try and come up with some solutions with it. Like you said, I, I think that really the, the building, uh, has some serious deficiencies we need to tackle that one way or the other related to making sure that um that we've got a facility where it's it, the, it's getting taken care of or another alternative uh, i guess needs to be solved with the project you had uh, uh mentioned the uh private donations uh which two million dollars uh, is there anyone looking talking more with uh, some people and trying to up that number yes yeah, so we do have a some of the hockey association folks are out there i mean i, th- I think that's another option i guess at the table um to find out i'd say everything's on the table from naming rights to other types of uh you know corporate identification in the building i guess if that helps to get some donors to the table or, or otherwise but um that's certainly one of the options is to see is there more money out there are there any passionate people um with some financial capacity to be able to help get this thing over the hump too to maybe bring that private piece up but um you know that's certainly part of it the two million is cash and there is a uh, land donation that's uh, additional i think million dollars roughly on that so it's probably about a three million dollar donation that we're looking in the mix right now but uh, that certainly is another option to consider all right uh i guess one final thought one final question is what if from the city's point of view what is the next step you're going to take is that going to continue on this summer is there uh, something that uh, will be uh, you've uh, designated going forward this is the next next step yeah, so we'll be, um, you know, fine-tuning some more details. I think the other thing we talked about was we also have broader recreation needs within the community, and so we don't want this just to be looked at on its own because our budget process is right around the corner. Some of our council said, okay, if that's our tax impact, if this option is chosen, 
what about our other park needs? What about what's the budget levy maybe looking like next year? And that'll be kicking off in July and August. So I think a little bit we'll want maybe the dust to clear on some of those things. We are still exploring some of the alternative ways to do some of our other park needs, and this should really be looked at in, in, in with all of those in mind. All right. Anything else, Ben? I don't think so. All right. Thanks for joining us. Much appreciated, and we'll talk to you again uh, next week or a couple of weeks or whenever we talk to you again. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Northfield City Administrator Ben Marting. You're listening to 95.1 FM, AM 1080, KYMN Northfield.